listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Hey there, welcome to This Week in Pharmacy. I am your host, Todd Urey, founder of the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Excited to be with you here today. So much is going on and it's only been a month. I think I'm tired already. No, actually, I'm um, pretty pumped up. I'm pretty excited about what's happening in our profession. Uh, January was amazing. I got to go to my first conference that was not in pharmacy and not in healthcare. And um, that was the PodFest and Healthcare Amplified, which I got to be a speaker at and talking about the importance of uh, like-minded people in healthcare as well as content creators, more specifically our, um, our, our podcasters. They got together in Orlando, Healthcare Amplified, and put together an amazing uh, inaugural program about content developers and podcasters in healthcare. It was amazing. And I got to talk about our networking strategy and why we do what we do in order to amplify what's happening in our uh, healthcare system, in our nation, uh, throughout the globe. We are expanding globally. I can't wait to share with you uh, what's coming up uh, internationally in 2024. We're not ready to announce it yet, but just listen to This Week in Pharmacy and we'll, we'll definitely update you. Hey, it's February. Can you believe it? February already. You can't say uh, Happy New Year anymore. I mean, you can, but it's like wearing uh, white pants in the, is it the winter or the spring? I don't remember. All right. So February. I am headed to the Pennsylvania Pharmacist uh, Association annual meeting, and that's taking place um, tomorrow, uh, Friday through, I think, Sunday. Uh, in Harrisburg. I'm going to be excited to be there covering it as press. Very proud of this association and how it's grown. More specifically, um, PPCN, Pennsylvania Pharmacy Care Networks, which is supported by the National Association, um, CPESN, that are, that's our Community Pharmacy Enhanced Services Network. And people, listen up. That's right, you people. You people listening, all of you farmers out there. These organizations and these people like Troy Tragstead, for example, that originally had these ideas of tracking, gathering data, implementing uh, new uh, techniques to treatments, and adding uh, supplemental um, information, um, supplements and information to the treatment programs and plans driven by pharmacists and getting paid outside of the prescription. Because right now we're, you know, the the whole landscape of what is pharmacy is is all governed by the money uh, for that prescription dispensing fee, and PBMs jack that up so much that it it has to be reinvented. We have to restructure and come out with a new payment model which pays pharmacists not only for a dispensing fee and management of the medication and the process and the first check and the last check and the safety checks, which is primary. But the secondary source of income for pharmacists will become 
you tracking treatment programs and following up with treatment programs and and really enhancing the services that are kicked off and the treatment that's kicked off by our physicians. So I'm excited. February. Okay, it's leap year. Can you believe it? I always forget about leap year. And anybody that's born on leap year, it's like you you get one birthday, what, every every five years, every four years, whatever leap year is. Yeah. It's Black History Month. What an important uh, month uh, in representing in representing what's happened in American history and how uh, Blacks have led uh, so many facets of healthcare, technology, um, podcasting um, on our network, and and just excited to uh, be celebrating this month, uh, Black History Month. All right. So if you didn't know, the Pharmacy 50 concluded. It was an amazing campaign. Uh, shout out to everybody who won. If you ever um, are curious about supporting one of your own and um, and you want to uh, make someone um, you know feel good about what they're doing in the industry and you want to say congratulations to them, please go to pharmacy50.us. That's pharmacy50.us. Reach out to um, one of these 50 amazing uh, providers and leaders in our pharmacy industry. I was honored to see such a impact that this awards program made and how fast it's grown. Um, thank you to Cardinal Health and to uh, Independent Pharmacy Cooperative, IP IPC, for, for sponsoring that. That really meant a lot to us. It helped us reach so many more people. Uh, we had um, we had more votes than we've ever had before um, by about 4,000%. So if you want to watch the awards, if you want to reach out, but more importantly, networking with these people. Some of these uh, Pharmacy 50 award winners are people who build business and sustainability in community pharmacy. Uh, shout out to DRC Vaughn, Dr. Vaughn. Uh, there's there's people on this list that do nothing but satch, soak and saturate their minds into pharmacogenomics data, like Dr. Sarami, uh, Benaz Sarami. Um, we know that long-term care at home is exploding and the need for pharmacists to lead that. Uh, Lindsay um, Constantino with her network, um, Long-Term Care at Home Pharmacy Network. I could just keep going th for, for, through this list, but I want you to go through this list because I think it's important for you, the listener, to start building networks with some of these people and, and do something with it. Take advantage of what's happening in your profession, especially if you are not satisfied with your current position as a pharmacist, whether that be in community or long-term care, or maybe you're a medical science liaison and you wanna make a change. It's the only way you're gonna make a change and the only way it's gonna stick at this stage of your career when you go into that next level is your network. You have to build a network. We're gonna do some specials on talking about networks, um, but that's not what today's programming is about. Today we have um, a really exciting uh, return guest, Dr. Ashley Dwyer is coming back. She hasn't been here since I think COVID just started. I think it was 2020, so it's been a while. And Ashley has come a long way. We're really excited to share with you um, what she's doing as a fitness, uh, leading fitness coach um, based on science, based on um, her pharmacological background. It's really interesting. 
Next, we'll hear from Darshan Kulkarni. He's going to give us uh, his update. He brings us some uh, amazing information every week. And then we're going to hear from Dallas Vasquez because we're going to be talking about Kratom. What the heck is Kratom? Is it good for me? Should I take it? What, what's wrong with it? Why is the FDA uh, not making a final decision on it? Um, we're, we're curious. What is Kratom? Uh, what And how should pharmacists you know, be involved or you should tell people to stay away from it or tell people how to use it properly, regardless that's coming up. And, um, we're going to have a great show. So if you want to follow along, make some comments, uh, use hashtags, uh, to get our attention, hashtag twerks, that's T W I R X. Ask us questions, uh, bring up content, bring up segments. You are welcome to do so. This is your podcast on the pharmacy podcast network. And with that, let's get started with the news. All right, lots happening this week. And I'll tell you, the first thing I want to bring up is this article that came out in Chicago Business, Crane Chicago Business. And the headline is, as demand for pharmacists grows, industry has hard time filling positions. And something I'm very proud um, about this article is the representation of an extremely intelligent um, pharmacist who knows what's happening in our markets. He's been in our markets. He's been in our chain pharmacy markets himself for over eight years. Uh, Dr. Maurice Shaw, who's the doctor of comedy as well. You know what? Some of the most funny people I've noticed in life over my years, the comedians that have been my favorite comedians, Their IQs and their intelligence are so much higher than the average bear, definitely more than me. But a shout out to Maurice for presenting pharmacy and what was really going on with staffing and how staffing um, really put a strain on pharmacists and support and the lack of the entities, our national chain pharmacies, putting enough money and resources into uh, proper staffing, um, our technicians, uh, payment of our technicians, as well as uh, the opportunity to give time for pharmacists to take breaks, as well as time, which is the most important thing, time for pharmacists to counsel patients, for goodness sakes. Think about how many patients our retail chain pharmacists don't have the time to counsel them, and they may need, that may be the, you may be the only provider they see for for a long time in their community. All right, I want to talk about this. This came out uh, just this week. This is from ktvb.com. That's KTVB Channel 7. And it's um, it says, Cascade Medical Center uses medication vending machines to combat pharmacy deserts. And the need for pharmacy deserts, this is out of um, Boise, Idaho, um, the the need for pharmacies to make up those patches of of not having any medical facility or pharmacy in the area, these pharmacy deserts that are spreading, it really goes into some of the background of of how um, the pharmacy deserts are spreading. But I also want to bring up the fact that uh, technology, I think, it has its use for dispensing medications if you can do it safely. Uh, with verification and everything. I don't think the vending machines, uh, my personal opinion, are are that big of a deal. What I do think is a big deal is that we have community pharmacies out there who are in the communities, who are needed by those communities. 
and then are not able to stay in business based on the um, broken uh, payment system that's in place. So that's a public health issue. And that's why uh, PBM reform obviously needs to accelerate, but that's a major issue is this pharmacy desert issue is going to continue to grow even into 2024. And this is part of it. We just found out from WKYT.com this week, WKYT. Headline is more independent Kentucky pharmacies going out of business, more independent community, independent, um, independent community pharmacies in Kentucky, 70 across Kentucky are going out of business, according to a report by the Lexington Herald leader. This is not good news for communities. Think about 70 pharmacies disappearing in a state. How many communities are going to be impacted by those? And that's exactly what I'm talking about. That's why every one of you, every single one of you that are listening right now, you don't have to be a pharmacist. You don't have to be a technician. You could be someone like me that is uh, just a believer and a supporter of, of pharmacy care and better pharmacy care and the people that are supporting that uh, are pharmacists and technicians. But reach out to, I know you hear this a lot, but please do it. Reach out to your local state representative, your local Congress uh, man or woman, reach out to those people and let them know that you have insider information on the need for pharmacies throughout communities and the reason for pharmacies collapsing are the payment models that are in place right now driven by the three biggest of our pbms and that's the truth it's not not picking on pbms i'm not saying they're evil and you know a lot of hyperboil to this that's not it it's just math it's it's what's happening economically when you put something in place it has a domino effect and those dominoes have been pounding against our pharmacists our pharmacy technicians and our community independently owned community pharmacies for years, over 10 years now. And now we're see starting to see this collapse. We're also seeing the collapse of CVS and Walgreens pharmacies in on themselves. They're closing their own pharmacies because this payment system is like eating their own young. Shout out to CVS Health. You have a payment system in place that's literally destroying your own pharmacies in the communities that need them. It's, it's not rocket science to understand the big, the big macro data here. So think about it. If you're listening, would you write a letter to your uh, local congressperson and just let them know you'd like to talk with them, meet with meet with them with for coffee. Better yet, take them to an independent community pharmacy and tour them. I guarantee, if you call the independent community pharmacy in your community and you say, I want to use your community pharmacy as a tour for our state representative, they're going to say yes. So get it done. Help out. Do something. All right. Let's talk about Pharmacy Podcast Network real quick. Just a shout out. If you haven't uh, listened to some of our latest, um, we have some really interesting episodes talking cardiovascular care with Amgen on the NASP Specialty Pharmacy Podcast, the National Association of Specialty Pharmacies. They've been broadcasting and using our platform for over five years. We love having them. A shout out to Pharmacy 50 Award winner, uh, Dr. Hussein. Um, you are a, a rocket ship content developer. We're uh, tracking you on being well through Medium and some of the articles that are coming out from from Hussein and his work is just incredible. 
His latest episode of Sports Pharmacy a podcast is Bridging Family Medicine and Pharmacy, a talk with Dr. Javidi. You have to listen to this episode. This is really interesting. This is an opportunity for pharmacists and communities to start working with communities, specifically high school uh, sports programs. And if you're in a college town, definitely those college programs. Okay, today's This Week in Pharmacy, we have a lot going on. We're excited about this. I'm excited to share with you um, our first episode. So let's hear from Dr. Ashley. Hey, and in This Week in Pharmacy, I want to say welcome back to Dr. Ashley Dwyer. Um, Ashley, you haven't been on to the Pharmacy Podcast Network in years. Time's gone by so quickly. But we figured out before recording that you were um, first time you were on uh, with me. We talked to you way back in August 27th of 2020, and I can't believe how fast the time has gone. <laughs> Welcome. Oh, I know that's crazy. We're like knee deep in the pandemic right there. <laughs> I know, really, and we didn't even know we were kind of almost. That was kind of the beginnings of it, but. Um, our both of our lives have expanded and our businesses have grown, which is I want to say congratulations to you. And uh, we've both made some major changes. So before we get started into what I really brought you here today, which is really to dig into, you know, your new business and entrepreneurial being an entrepreneur as a pharmacist. Um, tell us about yourself, just in case people didn't listen to the original um, episode, which was taking care of yourself first. I'm going to have a link in the show notes to Ashley's original interview, but tell us, uh, Ashley, just in case people don't know you, who's Ashley Dwyer? Oh my goodness. Well, hello everybody. <laughs> um, I am, I don't even know. I, I draw blanks at this. I am a, I'm an entrepreneur now, right? But I did start out going to pharmacy school, graduated from the university of Florida in 2014 and started working retail pharmacy, I know. So spent three years at Walgreens, around three and a half years at Publix, if you're in the Southeast and familiar with Publix, yep. best store ever. I recently moved to Texas and everyone's like, but we have HEB and I'm like, it does not compare. Uh, Publix <laughs> has such an amazing produce section and the cheeses and everything's fancy. So looking. Great. Like yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. You can't beat it. So did that for uh, about almost seven years before I hung up my coat for good. But in the meantime of, of doing school and kind of going through the gamut of pharmacy, I competed in bodybuilding competitions like bikini competitions when I was in pharmacy school. So found my love for fitness and nutrition and all things there. Figured I could take, you know, take what I learned and incorporate it into pharmacy. And it wasn't possible. <laughs> it really just wasn't in the retail setting. So then I had a slew of my own health issues brought on by just like poor diet, exercising too much, too much stress, just an overload on the female hormonal system. And throughout that journey of Western medicine, functional medicine, preventative medicine, all of that, kind of found my real passion in preventative medicine, uh, started the big day nutrition in 2018. We literally worked with brides only and people getting ready for big events and then, um, quit pharmacy in 2020 to do the coaching full-time rebranded in 2021 as team BDN coaching of what you see now, uh, which is not brides, all women. Basically we work with women especially 25 to 45 on any type of health goals, but mostly like hormonal. Oh, there's the website, yeah. hormonal uh, issues, PCOS, hypothyroid, weight loss. So lifestyle changes, 
pre and postpartum, it's been amazing. And so I guess, Todd, three and a half years later, here we are, and we're still been full-time for just over that three years. It's been awesome. I said to you before we started recording about documenting some of these pharmacists over the years and where mm -hmm. are they now special. And it is so rewarding for me as who is an entrepreneur, just like you, who goes through the same struggles that you go through. And now I have employees, which is just a whole new level of what that's like too. And I, I think if you would have given up all of those times where you got punched in the face and you weren't making enough money and you weren't able to jump up, like you could have stop, easily stopped. So I want you just to kind of, this ties back into your philosophies because I've read your material, which is amazing. This goes back to being someone who can take responsibility for their own life, which comes back to being an entrepreneur. Uh, but share that with us, like share that whole experience of leveling up. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Well, here's the thing. And I always like to say this, right? Like drugs sell themselves. People come to the counter and they get the drugs. You don't have to do any marketing. You don't have to do any of that. So when you kind of start entrepreneurship where you have to sell your services, sell a product, sell yourself, it can be like very uncomfortable. We're not, we didn't get marketing training or business training, or we do have some management training, especially if you were like a pharmacy manager and you're, you're taking care of employees, but it's a lot of learning. It's a lot. And I've, I've had to, I've hired numerous business coaches to help me get here uh, so that I could learn, you know, same philosophy of hiring a health coach, right? Like you don't know what you don't know. So I want them to teach me and I want them to teach me in an expedited fashion. So I always have that accountability. If I feel like I'm slipping and I don't want to do things anymore, I have someone to turn to who's like, no, here's what we're going to do. We're going to reframe, et cetera. Plus, I think it's just, for me, it's just my passion. Like there is no going back. There is no turning backwards. Like I'm going to make this work no matter what, because I just am so passionate about it and teaching people lifestyle changes and better health and fitness and just all of that, that I don't know. I don't, I don't even know what another world looks like. So yeah, there might be tears and we might have some really stressful days and want to just throw everything out the window, but then we kind of just like put our big girl pants back on and get up the next day and continue on. <laughs> no, I know what you mean. And it's a learning, it's a learning experience that continues to hit these levels. I I'm at a level myself in this business that it now, instead of going in succession steps and the steps from one to another is always different. You set up your LLC, you got your, your logo going, you, you made your first mm -hmm. dollar to your client. That's where I was in 2009, 2010. Now, 15 years later, it's, it's almost multi-dimensional of how many things are happening at the exact same time that you have oh, to yeah. pay attention to. Yeah. <laughs> yep. It's fun, isn't it? <laughs> How about, here's a category that was brand new to me because I never experienced this except when I started becoming successful and developing evidence-based content uh, in podcasting and supportive and conferences and social media. I attracted haters and I had never experienced haters before and I didn't understand why there was animosity. And I was, and then I read a book on it and it's it's just the human nature that there's in some people, there's the switch that gets thrown when 
it's a it's like either a jealousy thing or it's a, but there was a saying i can't remember who said it ashley if you know who said it you'll have to quote it and that is you will never be hated or judged by people that are more successful than you oh i did post this not too long ago and i can't remember who quoted it but no it's so true and if you have haters you're you're doing something good <laughs> you're you're probably doing something right true true all right let's talk about these programs because this has also leveled up for you you were focused in on uh women that were getting ready to become married in their big day and you were you were mm -hmm. structural about that but now that's that's quantified and it's grown into customized macros and fitness plans and coaching and community support and kind of like the whole outlay. So talk to me about team BDN. Yeah. So we, I did the bride thing and I went to expos and I did all that, but then I had so many women who were coming to me that weren't getting ready for events who were like, Hey, I have this question or, Hey, can you help me? And so just through the development of seeing the need in the market, I didn't want to turn people away for like just a very, very specific niche because that niche came to me originally because I was helping all my girlfriends get married, right? And I was helping them get in shape for their wedding. And so I focused on that because most women want to just crash diet right away. And the crash diet's terrible. So I was like, let me fix this industry first. And then there was just such a need for education for all women and especially like pre-menopausal menopausal is its own thing too but just childbearing age and women to kind of help you do the steps now to maybe help menopause later on or or just get you set up for postpartum and so we started taking on all clients and then I really, you know, maybe this is the pharmacist in me and the science nerd in me. I really fell in love with the way the body worked and the systems and the HPA axis and like cortisol and how it interacts with everything. And so, so the more functional side of, of health. And so it just kind of evolved into macros and specific fitness plans and blood work and, you know, certain supplement recommended it just like kind of took a mind of its own and started snowballing and now we're finally at the place where like this is what we do um it's more of a specialized coaching not like your everyday weight loss even though we do that it's just there's rarely someone who comes to us who's like i'm eating too much and i'm not exercising at all help me it's more like hey, I'm eating the right things, or I've been in a diet for 40 years, or I have PCOS or insulin resistance or something going on, perimenopausal, like, how do I combat these hormones? Or how do I, what do I do to finally see success, you know, without going to weight loss drugs and things like that. So that's where we've shifted. And that is now what team BDN coaching is. We kept the big day nutrition. This is where the BDN is because everyone called us team, you know, we referred to ourselves as team BDN anyway. But we finally rebranded and did all of that in 2021. I was like, okay, this is our new direction now. <laughs> that is so exciting. Um, your social media is crazy. I love watching the mixture of of uh, education based information. You're so funny. I think you could have like your own little uh, comedy TikTok with some of the content that you put out. I, I absolutely enjoy your content. God, listen, like if you're going to be an entrepreneur, you, you essentially have to be a content creator these days. I didn't know. I didn't know. So now I'm like, okay, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to have fun with it. Like, we're just going to have fun with it. I don't care. Make people laugh, but also educate because it's dry material, right? Yes. Um, so this is what we do now. <laughs> I love it. 
And I love that you're that you're fun, you're human, you make fun of yourself. That's one of my most favorite things about you is no one makes more fun of Ashley than Ashley. And it's like, that's the way I feel about myself. Like I love taking what we struggle with as humans and turn it into something that is like sharing to our, our viewing audience. They're like, hey, listen, we're all going through this. So, and you're extremely transparent too. There's yes. no fakeness about you because you could double back on a post from a year ago and see like what you've been through. So it's almost like your storytelling through your social media. So I was going to say, do I make fun of myself that much? But what Every I do, while you do, but it's funny. What I do do is I'm extremely transparent because I think people assume as a coach or as a doctor, like as a pharmacist or whatever, like we have it all figured out. We don't go through the same challenges and emotions that clients do. And it's like, oh no, we definitely do. Let me share this. Cause you're not seeing that on other influencers pages, right? Like I want you guys to understand it's going to be hard and it's going to be difficult, but it's going to be worth it. Yeah. And I want to give a shout out too, because just like me, um, you've now taken on other people on your team that really helped yep. to expand what you do. So I want to give a shout out to Luna, uh, Lana. like Lana. Yeah. Give a, give a shout out to each of them and talk to us a little bit about each of them. Yeah. So I freaking love my team right now. We're finally in a great place where we have like such a good culture and such good like energy. So coach Lana, um, actually used to own her own coaching company. And then she kind of wanted to, you know, business ownership is, <laughs> is an interesting place. So she really fell in love with the coaching and wanted to just focus on coaching. And I was like, please come to my team. I met her in like a business mastermind I was in. So she is awesome. She's like my right hand lady. She's our head coach. And so she kind of takes care of the things that are under me. So coach Lana was, is our oldest coach on the team right now. And then under her, we have coach Nikki, who has been with us for seven months now. And she is a firecracker as well. So I just love that. Like, cause I don't take on clients anymore. I don't, I want that to be like very, uh, I'm very transparent about that too. Like, yes, I was the coaching and the face of the team, but like now we take on clients and they go to my coaches because I trust them so much and they are such qualified individuals and will be able to give you like way more attention than I can at this point. So if I can't give you the attention you want, I'm not going to take you on. But coach Nikki also brings like a different flair to the team because she's a mom of three and so she understands like the kids struggles and the packing for, you know, lunches and how to do things with kids and how to, how to make time out of nothing. So she's amazing. I love watching her grow with the team so far. And then I couldn't run this company without Ashley, <laughs> without, without Ashley. I know we're both Ashley. So it confuses clients because if you ever jump on a consult call for our team, you will speak to Ashley. And she also, I, I call her my assistant. She's not, but <laughs> I almost feel like she is. We talk almost all day, every day, just about what's going on. But she's a mom of four as well, like four girls. And she takes her fitness very seriously. Like she's very into it. Military spouse, as it says, like I am, yeah, Ashley is the epitome of my team. <laughs> she's the rock of me. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. And then we have Melanie. Yay. So Melanie is our mental health coach. So she is a certified mental health specialist. So we bring on a mental health coach once a month for team Zoom calls 
where we go over a specific topic and then we have a Q&A after. So it's just a different element to have for clients to, to kind of be exposed to where you can talk things out because a lot of this process is, a, is very mental. It's also very emotional, like healing relationships with food, all or nothing mindset, things like that. So bringing in a mental health coach to kind of have these calls and go over these topics and, and be available for clients is kind of something I'm really proud that we offer. And Melanie has been a superstar with it so far. So excellent. Well, very impressed. By the way, I want to give a shout out to the listeners. Listen, this is an interesting opportunity for you listening. You're a, you're a busy, you're a busy pharmacy technician. You're a busy pharmacist. You have a family, you have a life. I want you to just take a pause, go to teambdncoaching.com. Once again, uh, teambdncoaching.com. And there's a section under about that says, it says still confused on which program to choose. Take a short quiz to find out which plan is best suited for you. Just take the quiz to familiar, familiarize yourself with what's going on and how Ashley helps, how her team helps. Tell us um, kind of what you scrub uh, through the data that you collect through that that quiz. Oh, uh, I mean, honestly, we just look at who submits it and what their results are. We, I mean, we don't do much with the data except reach out and see if you're interested in like talking through your goals more. So like a free consult of sorts. And then it's not even like we're pitching you on the program. It's just like, hey, how can we help? So we take that. We see exactly what you're looking for because we have your answers and then dive more into those specific topics because there's so much info that we need. <laughs> yep. You know, the the focus, the pedigree that came from Big Day into BDN is very unique because you, you kind of got real granular and then you started expanding. But that granular uh, focus um, ties into other podcasts that we're doing that we want you to get involved in. We want you to do some discussions with Hussein at the Sports Pharmacy Podcast and Dr. Archambaugh at Sex Farm D and uh, Dr. Plummer, Daniel Plummer with Maternity Rx, as well as um, Robert Kress, uh, known as the digital, or known as the the um, godfather of functional pharmacy. In, in, oh, in, I love that. Yeah, he, and what's really funny about him um, is we talked about this on his episode. He came on long ago, it was like 10 years ago, and um, everybody thought he was a, a, a weirdo. Like he was like, people like were thinking with being a pharmacist who has his PharmD and all the pharmacology and all, he's he he's de-prescribing and he's like almost reversing the matrix. He's taking, he's taking the whole system and like turning into, well, how do we go the functional route, you know, instead of just the pharmaceutical route and it's a nice blend it's it's and it's being honest to it with people's bodies and what is specific to them and that kind of ties into what you talk about too no i was gonna say that's exactly it and we try and get people off of medication so <laughs> yeah. i'm like the pharmacist who doesn't want you to take drugs right <laughs> and do it do it a way that that, that we can do it it, it mm -hmm. might not work for 100 percent of the people but no. yeah, yeah, it's yeah. gonna help you like if you do this program and you even titrate down to a specific level of something, it it's only going to help your body from a holistic perspective anyway. Yeah. All right. So am I going to see you at a national conference this year? Are you going to APHA? Are you going to any of the pharma conference? We're going to have to meet up at some conference at some point. 
I haven't been to a pharmacy conference in so many years. I have so many other conferences this year, but they're more uh, health, fitness, coaching related. Yeah, you know, we were talking about conferences for just a short time, and I'm going to my very first podcast conference. I've never been to any conferences, like you said, except for pharmacy. So I can't wait. Um, can't wait to share that with everybody. But I want to thank you for being um, on This Week in Pharmacy and how special it's been to watch you expand and grow. I want to congratulate you again for all of your work. I know how hard it is um, and promise that you'll come back on the network more often than once every three years. Okay. We got to I promise. <laughs> we'll do that. Thank you. Hey, to learn more, please go to teambdncoaching.com. That's teambdncoaching.com. And we thank you so much for listening. Um, give us a tag. Um, if you've um, thought that this was interesting content, you'll see us on Instagram talking about Ashley, as well as LinkedIn. Um, make sure that you reach out to Ashley if you're not at work with her. And hey, if you're into this, uh, I, I could see connections happening as they should. I want to meet everybody. That's right. Slide me DM. <laughs> exactly. Thank you, Ashley. All right. Hey, um, we've ex been excited. We've been adding people to this week in pharmacy. And just like you saw the interview with, with Ashley Dwyer, Dr. Dwyer, if you are a pharmacist, if you are a technician, if you are a pharmacy professional that is doing something that you believe is in an in innovative, you believe is, is, is pushing pharmacy care forward, reach out to me. I would love to have you on this week in pharmacy. It's important that we support uh, the innovators and people like you or if you're in, in a sector of pharmacy that you think that there are ways to make improvements, please reach out to us. One of the pharmacists that are committed to uh, doing exactly that is someone who's also a lawyer, uh, Dr. Uh, Darshan Kulkarni. Um, let's, let's hear from him now. Imagine being part of a headline that reads, pharmacy owners pay over $4.6 million in a fraud case not a position anyone in the healthcare industry wants to be in. Hi, this is Darshan Kulkarni, and you're listening to Darshan Talks on This Week in Pharmacy. Recently, a major incident unfolded in Philadelphia. It involved the current and former owners of a center city pharmacy. They agreed to pay over $4.6 million to settle civil investigations concerning improper Medicare and Medicaid billing. This case is a reminder of the severe consequences of noncompliance in the pharmacy industry. The heart of the matter lies in the billing practices. The pharmacy, under its current and former ownership, billed for prescription medications that were not dispensed. This includes high-cost medications like Latuda, Spricel, and Trovada. The allegations include billing for expensive formulations while providing cheaper ones and making claims for medicines not given to patients. Such actions not only violate trust, but also federal law, specifically the False Claims Act. Now, I know this might sound a bit scary, but here's where I come in. I'm Darshan Kulkarni. I'm a pharmacist, I'm an attorney, and I'm your friendly regulatory and compliance attorney at the Kulkarni Law Firm. I'm here to help you navigate these tricky waters. So if you're worried about your pharmacy's practices, or just want to double check that you're doing everything right, give me a shout at 302-252-6959. That's 302-252-6959.
Let's chat. Imagine being part of a headline that reads, Pharmacy owners pay over $4.6 million in a fraud case. It's not a position anyone in the healthcare industry wants to be in. Hi, this is Darshan Kulkarni, and you're listening to Darshan Talks on This Week in Pharmacy. Hey, thank you, Darshan, for that update. Um, I'm not sure you know this, but Darshan uh, Kulkarni is one of the Pharmacy 50 most influential people in our profession right now based on uh, the complex issues that he actually gets involved in from uh, Kulkarni Law Firm as clients that he's taking on, but also solving these, uh, helping to solve these major issues, just like what we just saw with uh, Center City and the uh, the Philadelphia case uh, where there were some um, some fraudulent uh, practices in improper use of Medicare and Medicaid billing. So I like the mix-up of this show. If you, once again, want to participate, we would love to have you on This Week in Pharmacy and bringing things up that are impacting pharmacy care in our profession. All right, next up. What in the world is Kratom? Should I be on it? Uh, like I said in our intro, I'm curious. So let's take a listen to my interview with Dallas Vasquez. Hey, and in this week in pharmacy, what is Kratom? It's this herbal extract. Is it safe? Is it an alternative to opioids and usage in the hands of our physician and pharmacists? That's where I like all of these things that are coming out to the public, especially for the public safety. Even um, some of the drinks that are coming out, we always source through Cannabis Pharmacy University access to people who know what's going on, the experts that we can reach out to, pull through, and really understand combination of different ingredients, the world of uh, rare diseases, senior care, our children through pediatrics. I mean, there's a lot to talk about. So. Today, I'm excited to welcome um, a guy who we met through the Cannabis Pharmacy University team. A shout out to Josh and Steve. Dallas Vasquez, um, you are uh, leading a company called Mitra9. Um, I want to uh, welcome you to This Week in Pharmacy. And I just want you to uh, share a little bit about who you are and, and how you got into uh, the fascinating uh, realm of Kratom. Yeah, no, thanks. Thanks for having me, uh, Todd. Yeah. Um, so I'm the co-founder and, and CEO of Mitra9. And, um, you know, I, I, I started using um, or researching Kratom about uh, a decade ago. And that that research was all about finding alternatives to, to alcohol. Um, I was uh, starting to, to, you know, um, uh, start my entrepreneurial life back then. And, uh, you know, when you're the driver of your, your, your own business every morning, it doesn't help if you, you wake up with a hangover. And so, um, you know, uh, went down the, the, the rabbit hole, the World Wide web and Kratom popped up. And so I, you know, ordered some Kratom off the internet. I, I gave it a try and, and it was tough. It, it, it's just a, a non water soluble green powder. Uh, you know, you, you, you didn't know what to do with it. I put it in a shaker cup. I tried to drink it as fast as I could. It was not enjoyable. And I promised myself I would never do that again. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and however, 30 minutes later, I, I really started to feel the, the effects uh, of Kratom and, and enjoyed it. So 
started to, to research Kratom quite a bit. And at the time I was living in Ohio and Kratom just, it, it really wasn't widely available unless you were on the internet. And so that kind of just uh, faded away. Uh, a few years went by and I moved down to Florida. And in Florida, I was introduced to this thing called a kava bar. And rather than going out with friends to a, uh, a typical bar, uh, we went to a kava bar and, um, you know, I was presented a, a menu. It, it felt a bit complex. Uh, the environment was a bit, you know, hippie-ish. <laughs> and uh, yeah. And, and so I ordered a, a Kratom tea, which is just really a, a brown bitter tea, uh, just as, you know, if you were to make yourself a cup of tea at home and, uh, and sat down and, and had a conversation with friends, drank that tea. And, uh, and, and again, uh, enjoy the effects of that and, uh, and yeah, and started to do that with, with friends on a, you know, on a more regular basis. So, um, it was through those visits that kind of led to, uh, the, uh, the research and development, uh, stages of Mitra 9. And, and so, you know, I, not everyone likes tea, uh, Kratom is, you know, again, a better tea. And so, uh, what it really led me to was how 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 can we make this into a a more suitable kind of everyday great tasting beverage um, that you know you could you could purchase at a Seven Eleven or a gas station, uh, and so eight or nine months of you know making beverages, pouring them down the drain, uh, you know all the disgusting combinations of of juices and this and that eventually uh, led us to uh, a, you know, an iteration, if you will, or a version of, of what's in the marketplace today, uh, which is, you know, a, a, a very nice, lightly carbonated 12-ounce can. And so um, what, what made this powerful for me is that about four or five months into um, drinking Kratom tea, uh, my, my wife kind of turned around and said, you know, we haven't, we haven't had alcohol in, in four or five months. And that kind of single powerful statement is, is kind of what, uh, you know, started us down the path of, of, of Kratom and seeing if we can make this more widely available to, uh, to consumers. That's really interesting. Um, Dallas, um, Kratom is the name of that powder, like you were saying, um, leaves from Indonesia tree, um, from the coffee family that produces chemicals that behave uh, similar, I guess you could say, to an opioid, which could be used kind of as a, a pain reliever, um, sold as a dietary supplement. Um, I don't know what the regulation is of some of the herbal, medic herbal medicines in the United States, but the FDA holds that Kratom does not meet the definition of a of a dietary supplement that they have to really dig into yet. Um, although things can, you know, always change with the FDA and how they decide to do stuff. Kratom, like you were saying, it's usually a powdered form um, you consume in some kind of drink or a tea. I don't know if you can use it in any kind of like baking or or cooking per se to add it to an oatmeal or something like that. But you can also find it from a, I believe like capsules that you can, you know, consume it. Tell us the difference between Kratom and Kava. Yeah, sure. So you, you know, Kratom, as you mentioned, is, is from the coffee family, uh, a plant where, you know, the, the leaves have been chewed um, for, for centuries. Um, kava is also a plant from the pepper family. Um, and the, 
that is not the the leaf; it's the root that is pulverized and and, and consumed. Um, and so, both of those come in in traditional forms, as as you were um, alluding to. You know, uh, often in a powder or a uh, a leaf form, uh, just like a, a tea bag, perhaps. Um, and then there's what the last few years, I believe, is brought to the marketplace, which is kind of the um, the emergence of of extracts. Um, and and so you know, with with powder and leaf, uh, kratom is a complex plant uh, with you know over fifty alkaloids, uh, of which a few of those alkaloids are 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 have a few years of uh, of study and and a lot of white papers on metragenine and seven hydroxymetragenine. But the rest of the alkaloids are 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 fairly unstudied and, and not as well known, uh, which kind of led us to extracts, in, in our opinion, being the, the safest way to, to consume kratom, um, because we really uh, take the, the most studied alkaloid in the plant and what has been described as the safest alkaloid, metragenine, and that's, that's really all that's left in the extract that we're, that we're providing and putting into our products. Um, so yeah, kratom has uh, certainly started out as a powder, um, and then, you know, ended up uh, People liked it as a, as as a tea, which was just like a crushed leaf form. Uh, it made its way to extracts in the early, you know, kind of mid two thousands. Um, but most of those products uh, were still unflavored, and they were very raw material back then. Um, since then, the technology has improved. Extract technology has improved greatly. Um, you know, the 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 farming processes, the quality control. Uh, the the way that um, companies are uh, packaging it, labeling it, and bringing you know transparency to consumers, all of those things have have improved. Unfortunately, most of it has been fairly self-regulated, as there just really isn't that much guidance in terms of uh, labeling and packaging for consumers. Yeah, that quickly makes me think. So, there's a lot of pain specialists out there, um, even pharmacists that we actually have a pharmacist on our network, uh, Dr. Garofoli. Mark Garofoli is known as the pain guy. He goes to conferences as a speaker. He teaches at WVU School of Pharmacy. He's teaching his uh, students specifically about pain um, on a multitude. I mean, pain's all over the map. And so one of my ideas as I'm listening to you is the supplement being used as an alternative to something else, um, like opioids, for example, especially if you're titrating off larger doses and you're you're being monitored by a physician pharmacist, titrating down to a smaller amount, and then sure enough, someone like a physician or or pharmacist understands that kratom would be an option, um, and and really understanding, like what's the comparison? Um, you know, you said that there's. There isn't as much research right now as there could be in other medications being used or other substances being used. I think of the drawbacks that the compounds um, of of mixing things on purpose in order to give some type of pain relief. Um, and again, uh, it, it there isn't really as much research per se. But do you see any any psychological or physical dependency? like we see in, in opioids, which it can create dependency, it can create addiction. Do you see any like similarities between the kratom and, and some of these other substances, which the media and the public know as being um, very toxic and dangerous if not used correctly? 
Um, I'm thinking of like opioids and fentanyl. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I, I think, you know, in, in 2021, the, the World Health Organization, you know, was asked to investigate the risks of Kratom and they, they kind of declined um, and, and to recommend a ban, uh, ban on Kratom. Um, and, and so, uh, you know, a lot of that report and, and things were investigating just as, you know, you, you asked is, is about, um, you know, just, uh, abuse is, is, was a high priority as well as addiction. And so I think it really depends on, you know, the, uh, the, the way you use it and then the form that it's being used in. Right. So. Uh, the the plant certainly has properties and alkaloids in it that um, would be uh, you know have uh, you know for managing chronic pain. Um, they there's alkaloids in the plant for um, treating you know opioid withdrawal symptoms has been a popular approach for kratom in the past. Um, and I would say that in its in its powder and in its leaf form. That I, I think that in a lot of cases, if you were to read white papers, you would conclude that those things are true. Um, in in extract form, when you start to uh, isolate some of those alkaloids, uh, I would say those properties start to change quite a bit, and the use case also starts to change. Um, you know, for for an extract version of kratom, uh, when you're down to just one alkaloid that's really present in the plant. Um, you you start to lose some of the other uh, effects of kratom, and uh, we think that you know the the seven hydroxymetragenine has you know been one of the uh, alkaloids that has come under question to act on the opioid receptors, um, and that is an alkaloid that we have taken steps to um, basically eliminate. Um, it's also one that the Kratom Consumer Protection Act is 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 uh, also regulating, which is 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 great. Like we're we're pro regulation. Um, so yeah, I mean the the short answer is I I think that in its traditional form as a, a leaf or a powder product, there are absolutely alkaloids in the plant that act in uh, similar ways as as opioids do. You see, kratom being ingested and then also used as like a topical of any sort or is it strictly ingested in a form of some kind of drink yeah so you know tr traditionally it, it's definitely in you know powder leaf form and that's you know usually in a in a, in a drink uh capsules have been popular uh, i have not seen any products that in the topical form have have worked i've seen a couple that um I've experimented with, uh, for for lack of a better word, um, and 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 I, I was unable to to you know really feel the effects as uh, in the same way that um, kratom is in liquid form. I looked up some um, documented long term uses of kratom. Um, you know, there really isn't a lot of data per se, um, and I'm sure there is, but it's probably not published data. Um, and of course, the FDA just seems to be um, not really interested or not really digging down into it at this stage. However, we know that um, if these products are available, just like OTC products, I want our pharmacists aware so that they can talk with people that walk into their stores and say, hey, I'm interested in hearing more about Kratom. Instead of doing Dr. Google searching, if they could ask a pharmacist or a 
a physician right there as to what they think the drawbacks or the or the benefit you know is um i've heard comparisons being done um in in trying to come up with ideas around dosing it, that's kind of might be kind of hard hard to do um as as we would hear about people talk about echinacea or ashwagandha or something like that or some other substance that's become very popular we see a surge in a lot of our functional pharmacists out there our holistic pharmacists out there who are deprescribing they're they're the pharmacists who are saying hey i have a 50 you know a, a 52 a 65 a 78 year old that's on 19 medications and over a period of say a year to two years you might have a pharmacist working with them to get them off of half or more of those medications and then also knowing what is available in the natural form what is the substance that's out there that could be coupled with someone's therapy based on allergic reactions based on even a pharmacogenomics test based on uh, nutrient um, studies and then where kratom would fit in in helping to govern a pain or or govern anxiety tell me about the, the the conditions tell me about like let's let's pick the top three conditions of what you've seen over the years um anxiety pain um something that would become supplemental where you think that the kratom fits best yeah so you know in it's it's always been described that in low doses kratom produces a, a a euphoric effect and that at higher doses produces you know a quote unquote opioid uh like effects right and and so you know the you know i think they're more anecdotal but you know uh, increased work capacities, you know, sociability, um, you know, positive mood states, all of those things are, are, are associated with Kratom. And when, when you think of that, you know, a whole bunch comes to mind. You, you start to think about, you know, someone that is uh, taking a prescription for, um, for depression, or you think about someone that's uh, taking uh, many prescriptions for some type of pain relief. You think about someone taking prescriptions for um, anxiety and, you know, uh, one, you know, that's one positive uh, about kava really is that kava is, you know, a, is, is a dietary supplement. It's regulated by the FDA. Uh, there's not much of a gray area there and kava has been proven to treat anxiety. And I, I think that's a, a really powerful weapon in terms of holistic medicine that, that, you know, any pharmacist should, should be comfortable talking about and they should consider it, you know, kind of one of the tools in their tool bags. Um, you know, and then you've got, uh, you know, in terms of treating pain in a natural and holistic way, um, you know, there are uh, a number um, of, of reports that, you know, Kratom treats pain. And so uh, I, I think that it would be, uh, you know, it would behoove any pharmacist to, uh, consider kratom an option when when treating pain and that's that's really anyone from you know any any age of you know 21 and over uh, i don't think that that is age related at all i i would much rather look for a holistic plant-based option as opposed to a, a pharmaceutical pill any day of the week yeah there's there's a use for pharmaceuticals obviously um however we do know based on um 
research based on feedback from physicians, pharmacists, nurse practitioners, that the there's long-term effects of pharma manufacturing or, or pharma products, pharmaceutical products that you might be taking for one condition and then it, sure enough, it has a liver or it has a kidney issue because of the filtration. When I start thinking of some of the natural products that are, that doesn't mean that there isn't an interaction. It doesn't mean that they couldn't be dangerous. What it means is it's less likely to have a secondary issue like your kidney, like your your um, stress on your liver or something. Have you heard about research uh, based on ongoing re, uh, you know usage of a kratom product and and how the liver, how the uh, kidney is um is impacted? Yeah, so and and that's one of the the things about kratom where you know in terms of advocacy, we we hope that is not taken away from us, right? It's the ability to do proper research to conclude on some of those, uh, you know, things over a longer period of time. Um, you know, like psilocybin comes to mind where, you know, we just weren't able to study those things for for a long time. And, and now here we are kind of reversing those decisions. Um, you know, there's uh, a lot of information out there about kava and its effect on on liver and and, and damage that was previously reported although there's been numerous uh, reports and studies in the last 12 months to kind of debunk those, um, those things. Um, with, with Kratom, I would just, you know, I would say we're in the infancy of those things. Unfortunately, there's just not a lot of material out there to, um, to talk about the, the, the long-term effects of something uh, that's only been used, you know, maybe for the last 10 years. Um, you know, the, we think that, you know, in the U.S., uh, you know, there's somewhere between maybe two and five million people that are that are using um, well, Kratom. Uh, unfortunately, uh, you know, up until the last couple of years, uh, that's been, you know, very restricted to purchases on the Internet. And there just isn't a lot of data about who the consumers are. Uh, and that's that's one thing about, you know, bringing Kratom uh, type products into the mainstream is that we're able to capture who our consumers are, and then we're able to create feedback loops of, you know, kind of why they're using the product and what it does for them. And then we'd, we'd really like to start sharing that research with, uh, you know, the, the community with pharmacists so that um, we can we can start to get some of that, um, those use cases and that data back to the public. So we're going to plug into you for additional discussions. I want to bring you on with pharmacists who um, have started to um, get into uh, Kratom, Kava, other supplements um, that are available to the public right now. But they know that there should be some guidance in place, especially if there's any kind of drug substance or substance to substance interaction. And that in, this, in and of itself is fascinating to me. So I have to have you back, Dallas, as a resource that we can pick your brain um, for listeners, mitra-9.com. That's mitra, M-I-T-R-A-9, the number nine.com. You can find information on mitra-9 and um, and actually even try products. There's a seltzer variety, Kratom seltzer that I'm going to actually be ordering myself. Um, we've um, asked a Cannabis Pharmacy University to keep us updated on, on any new products that come out. 
What do you shout out to listeners, our pharmacists, you might even have a physician listening right now um, that wants to try something for themselves. Where, where do you think that they should start? Yep. So, you know, I, I again, the, the website's a great place to, to, to find Mitra 9 products. I, I think that everyone should start by doing their own research. You know, don't, don't believe everything that you read. Um, one, one source of information that Mitra 9 has is, you know, we have a QR code on our can that is a, um, an informational page that will bring you to, it's really the good, bad, and ugly, to be honest. You know, there's information on there, not just from Mitra 9, but from the DEA, um, from, you know, the Nat National Institute of Health. Um, so I, I would just start by, by research. And then I would, you know, really start with picking a few, uh, reputable brands in the space and then picking a few products that you think that you might enjoy. Um, you know, the products range, you know, all the way from just raw powder to gummies to, to beverages these days. So you can really find any form factor that, you know, might be your favorite. And then I would always start with a, a, a low, a low dosage. If you're, if you're consuming Kratom powder, you might want to start by one to three grams of Kratom powder. Uh, if you're consuming a product that's made with extract, you're going to want to start with something between, you know, 30 and 50 milligrams of extract. And then you might just want to have, you know, or consume half of that product to find out, you know, how your body is, is interacting with it. Um, and, and, and yeah, always, always pay attention to labeling, right? Um, we don't, uh, we don't suggest or advocate, uh, about, uh, proprietary blend products because you don't know what you're putting in your body. Um, and, and, and just be smart about, uh, uh, paying attention to the ingredients that, uh, you're consuming. Yep. On the mitra-9.com site, you'll be able to go and read about some of the ingredients that you list on the products. Um, if you're curious, uh, reach out to us at pharmacy podcast, as well as to cannabis pharmacy, which you can look at cannabispharmacy.com. And we're going to um, put a, a discount code out there for your order on CannabisPharmacy.com. If you want, you can use PPN uh, number 20 for 20% off of your order if you're curious. But hey, Dallas, like I said, we're going to have you back. So this isn't the last time you're going to be uh, joining us. And we'll start digging down into some more specific conversations. But we are very um, thankful to you for coming on This Week in Pharmacy. Yeah, I appreciate you having me. I, I appreciate everything that you're doing for for the the industries that you're involved with. I think a, a, a voice and a uh, a network that digs for facts is important for everybody. So thank you. Great, Dallas. We'll, we'll be talking to you soon. And listeners, thank you. If if you have information on kratom or kava yourself as a pharmacist or an experienced person that you've had more data, please reach out to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. We're going to be doing a lot more um, fusing of, of multiple conversations around conditions, around supplements, around drug, drug, and drug uh, supplement interactions. So be on the lookout. Thank you for listening. All right. This has been a wonderful This Week in Pharmacy. Uh, thank you so much to our listeners. You are why we do what we do. We're pushing content out more so, um, especially with your involvement. If you are going to the APHA 2024 in Orlando on March 25th, 20, 22nd to 25th, 
Uh, it will be in Orlando. This is a, going to be a great time to come together, as I always say, Together RX. And we will be there. We'll be running the Locked On Pharmacy podcast for the, um, I think it's the third or fourth year in a row. We're very excited to be doing so. And I'm excited that Shane Jaraminski and Bled Tanoe are going to be there in a booth, which is going to be the Pharmacy Guild booth. If you are curious about how the Pharmacy Guild is going to disrupt and help to rebuild our profession in, in bringing us a trusted structural union in a chain retail pharmacy, this is big news. They're going to actually be at the APHA 2024. We are going to be covering more information that's going to involve some of their updates, but uh, don't uh, wait for me. Go to pharmacyguild.org. That's pharmacyguild.org. Hey, thank you for listening to This Week in Pharmacy. I hope you have a tremendous week. And once again, reach out, reach out to me in the Pharmacy Podcast Network, and we'll talk to you next week.